2: Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast.
1: Arsenal have come away from St. Mary's with a 2-0 win. We now go live to top four correspondent Bill. Bill, what can you tell us about the race for fourth place? Alive! It's alive! It's alive! Thank you, Bill. That's Bill, our top four correspondent, checking in with the latest update. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. I am thrilled to be joined by Paul. You can find him on Twitter, at in My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woohoo. And I am also joined by Clive. He's back. Uh, he has decided Beautiful. to brave the the slings and and. Arrows of, of criticism in the comments section of our reviews and, and join us for this podcast. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive.
2: Thanks for letting me back. Appreciate it.
1: Uh, it wasn't my decision, I was overruled, but that's okay. <laughs> We'll have you anyway. I'm kidding. I'm thrilled to have you back, and frankly thrilled that Tim is not here because that guy thinks he's so special because he goes to every Arsenal game and writes about every Arsenal game and is on every Arsenal podcast. You know what, Tim? You and your smart opinions and erudite conversation and articulate. exactly. You know what? No, we're going to go full narrative. This is going to be the Sunday supplement version of the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. I'm kidding. We would never do that to you, dear listener. Mom, we love you too much. Um, Okay, let's get started. Um, unchanged from United, the back three rides into the sunset again. Um, I thought overall this was a good performance. I mean, look, it isn't the high-flying, swashbuckling arsenal that we've seen over the years, but it is an improvement on just about everything we had seen over the months. And I thought this was a solid, if not spectacular, performance. But the the first portion of the game was dominated by a dynamic display from Oxlade-Chamberlain. And, uh, Paul, I think, you know, it's... it's.
3: Is this still your funny intro? No, no, I'm
1: being serious. Look, <laughs> this is the thing that frustrates about Ox, I think, though, right? He looked like the Ox. You remember the AC Milan game in the Champions League? Yeah. When Kind of a coming-out party for him, the one where we almost yeah. recovered a terrible first leg deficit. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Um he could get past his man any time he wanted to. But his crossing, I mean, I realize he just played across for a goal against United at the weekend, but his crossing was was wayward on the day, and I think I like to see what he was doing on occasion in the game, which is try to beat the next man, try to take it into the box, try to come central and, and look for runners instead of just floating across through the box or whipping something in low and hard towards the near post, especially if we don't have Giroud in there. So... What did you make of Ox's start uh, until he had to leave with injury, unfortunately?
3: Yeah. Uh, no, I really liked it. I possibly liked it slightly less than you for a change. Um, but, no, I did really like it. Uh, yeah, he was hit and miss with the crosses, maybe a little bit more miss than hit. But as we kind of, you and I were kind of knocking back and forth before the game, you know, crosses are low XG. They are hit and miss. Um, but, you know, a a ter a terrible cross is a terrible thing but a cross kind of in the particular zone you know it may not show up in xg may not show up in a direct chance but you got to mix it up a bit so did we quite get it right in the first half no but that's what second halves are for unfortunately you got injured yeah most of our attacking seemed to be through ox or down his side but basically through ox so uh, he was pretty dominant in the first half um and so I'm sure it was with some concern that all of us saw him going off. Yeah. The only consolation is knowing that Hector's on the bench and that you're in with a reasonable chance of a somewhat a, a, a variation on a theme, more defensive version of something potentially the same. I think Hector came up trumps in the second half. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the the big frustration for me with Ox um where you have your frustrations, mine is just the injuries thing, which is I'm not sure there's anything the boy can do about it. But that's the problem with him. It's the problem with Ramsey, uh, Jack Wilshere.
1: I mean, come on, you, you can go through the whole squad. This has been a continuing yeah. theme, and and I agree with you with Ox in the sense that here's a player who needs to get his decision making right and is you know raise his technical yep. level a little bit in in game situations, and you just have to play matches to to get familiar with that. Um, you know, Dude,
3: I, it's like we it's hit the reset button. He'll be back and we'll probably keep him over. You know, we'll probably keep him. He'll be back at the start of next season and you and I'll get to do it all again from your frustration, why people get it, you know, are, are wound up about him. And then he kind of begins to get some form where, you know, from my standpoint, I feel a little little bit more vindicated and then the fucker goes and gets injured again. So it's yeah. just it's very frustrating all round very frustrating all round.
1: It is and, and I think Clive, for me the thing with Ox that impresses me the most is his ability to beat a man and chew up the grass in front of him and explode forward. And we saw that in midfield in years past from players like Rosicki. Wilshire was able to do it to a certain extent because Orla didn't have the explosiveness but the escapability and the ability to carry the ball that extra 5 or 10 yards forward to create mismatches up the pitch and pull the opposition out of position. You know, I know Ox has added some end product this season, but isn't it possible, given that we have a talented, if out of form and potentially injured, uh, right back in Hector Bellerin, that Oxley chamberlain could add that escapability and athleticism in central midfield uh, that we've been missing.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've read my mind, right? Because I'm one of the few that actually don't think he's a, a wing-back. I think he can do it. I think he has the ability to, well, we all can see he has the ability to beat his man. His crossing is getting better. People always worried about his his crossing, but for me, the skill is getting to the crossing position and beating your man in the first place and driving into those areas. The last piece, which is decision-making, that can be learned, that can be improved, that can be done with experience. So, and I just think, sometimes the higher level you go in football, you're position finds you and sometimes your body tells you where you should be playing and if you look at the ox you just look at his body he's a he's a heavily muscled guy right he's very powerful very dynamic all right clive steady on <laughs> sorry man am, I, I'm, am saying too much here. You know what? Yeah. Not, if this is how you feel about ox we're not letting you talk about Giroud. that's for damn sure <laughs> yeah but he, we can all see he's very powerful and those type of athletes are not the ones you normally find in wide areas, right? Because constant, constant bursts and carrying a lot of muscles is going to lead to hamstrings. And, I mean, I did some st- stuff coming out last night talking about his consecutive games he's played for Arsenal. I mean, I think the record is, well, this year he's only played four in a row. Last year he only played three in a row. The year before was seven in a row. As soon as he gets to some sort of form, he he a calf or a hamstring goes. So if you're his manager, you should be thinking, OK, what am I going to do with him? I need to look at his training regime. I need to take him out of the gym a little bit. I need to get him into his body. Is telling me that he's a central big pill player. And he needs to be in the centre of the pitch where, as you say, this capability skills, which he has, could be sensational driving down the middle. And, and Hector Bellerin is the type of athlete who's lighter, a little bit more rangy in his running style. And the, he has the ability to do repeat runs. Without breaking down. And, and I, I would like to see that situation yeah. swap over. But for right now, it's working. And people have seen a different side of the Ox. And he's a player that we're giving the ball to. Literally because he's one of the few that can beat his man and run away from them. And yeah. um, that's why he's getting such joy. But um, I'm still not convinced that's his best position.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is he turns the ball over as much as, <clears throat> as, much as Alexis does. It doesn't get talked about as much. He does. Um, but you, you need players like that that are willing to take their men on. I just think that you, we we lack that explosiveness in central midfield. And if you have it, you can push Alexis further up the pitch. You allow Ozo to find space because if he beats a man and he carries it forward, someone's got to step up to protect. And then that's where Ozo can kill you. And that's where Alexis can get him behind and good things start to happen. But um, – if Oxley chamberlain wants to see how to put in the proper cross from exceptional advanced positions, all he has to do is watch his uh, opposite number at left wing back, Kieran Gibbs, who was just since... It, no, I'm kidding. He's horrible. Uh, Clive, tell me how bad Kieran Gibbs is at
2: football. Well, it's, not, it's something that we've seen for so long, isn't it? We, he, he looks right. He's got lots of energy. He looks made for that position. But, you know... you. you your eyes never lie, right? How do you feel when he's in the last third? You don't expect something to happen. You hope something's going to happen, you know. And whereas, well, I know I think Montréal is far more accurate, far more consistent, far better at different combinations. And when he's in the last third, I just think something's going to happen more so than I do with Gibbs. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't dislike him. I don't, I, I like him. No, I don't dislike him either. I, but that, that, that yeah. was a, that was a pretty rough performance, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just not. If we're you know, if we're looking at upgrades we should be looking at upgrades. For him, he needs a fresh challenge. I think he's got a little lead to life here just recently, but it feels like um you know, it feels like a last, you know, last bounce for him. Um, I just feel he gets into great positions very, very regularly for an offensive club in wide areas and we don't get enough end product. And it is a learned skill, but he's had a, this has been the same issue for many, many years. And he, 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 I don't see him working at it. I don't see it changing. And, um, you know, these players are all you know, super technicians. He's great in tight spaces. He can do it. I've seen him do it. But crossing under pressure, when it counts, to find your man in the box to get the first goal, I don't trust him to do it. But it'd be interesting yeah. to see what happens because my mind's already moving forward to Chelsea, and it'd be very interesting to see if he does make it into the team. For that yeah, game. and
1: some of that's going to depend on what centre-backs are available, right? I mean, I still think the best group we put out there was holding on the left, Kashelny in the middle, Gabriel on the right, and then Nacho as the left wing-back. And I think, look, if you're going to yeah. persist with Alexis as sort of the left-forward behind Welbeck, he needs to have a better overlapping partner at left wing-back, right?
3: Well, well plus, yeah. if you add in Mustafi uh who will make a very nice uh center back in the three it's going to be even harder for uh Wenger to find a spot for
1: That's a great his. point. Yeah. Cuz he's so he's that's got, Taylor that's going made. to tend to
3: push. Yeah. He's that's going t- to push Monreal up pitch I think.
1: Well let's get let's get to Mustafi uh, uh Paul cuz first of all I said we were unchanged. We're obviously unchanged except for Koscielny forced out by injury and and Mustafi coming in. Um yeah. defensively but-
3: but apart from all of the changes we made, everything else was the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. We were unchanged if you don't look at the changes that we made. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Very clear. look, given some of the logic that's being thrown around in the world, and in particular, <laughs> America right now, like I'd say that's still pretty much upper upper echelon. Um, yeah, let's let it go. Yeah, anyway. So, look, with respect to Mustafi, I guess my question to you is. Obviously, I, you know, this wouldn't be his role if Koscielny was fit, but what did you make of his performance coming back after after being gone a while and seeing how the back three had worked without him? How do you think he integrated?
3: I think he did really well. I mean, uh, obviously he had some eye-catching tackles, one or two that were uh, almost caught an eye. Did did he <laughs> go to
1: ground too much? Though? Like, he he was flying into challenges in this game.
3: Yeah, the one he got the... I think he probably got a yellow for it, but certainly the. oh uh, no, I don't think he did. He got a foul for it, uh, where he went uh, sliding in and got the ball cleanly, and you know. But it was, in this day and age, it looks reckless, so it is reckless. Not in control. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but you can't. You can't question the boy's commitment or that of anybody else's on the day. I mean, they're You know that. How do you wind it back at the appropriate moment? I mean. Uh, you know, we it was a point at which you're trying to get a hold of the game. So, fuck it. Um, so, yeah, he, w- he was a bit uh, careering into a few tackles. But overall, his tackles, his covering was really good. Uh, he's, you know, you say Koscielny has a lock on that cent- center, center center back position. And I think you're right. I mean, in all practical terms. But actually, Mustafi is probably the natural distributor out of the whole bunch. And... Uh, but I still think you're going to play Koscielny in the centre uh, just because that's kind of the de-, de facto leader spot. Mustafi has played on the to the right anyway and distributes well from there, so no no issues there. And uh, Holdings looked very good on the left when we used him there. So you're going to have three very good distributors at the back. Um, Monreal and say, Bellerin ahead of them, both really good passers, uh, linkers, distributors. Now you've got a really nice Se- a defensive semicircle, uh giving support to um chaka there uh who's really good with his line breaking passes and can knock it back and forward comfortably to any one of those five guys so now he's got some real support freeing up ramsey just a little bit more not just defensively but distribute distrib- distribution wise uh to get the ball up the field so uh, begins to look like a very natural setup. And Arson got interviewed again before this one, talking about how this formation suits some, and kind of t- jokingly, maybe not one or two others. But it, it, to me, uh, for, for a little while now, I keep thinking this really suits our centre-backs more than anything. I mean, if there's four or five really good players we have uh, who can really provide a base at some position in our team, it's our centre-backs and our our defensive line generally Mm -hmm. uh, all of whom seem to suit this lineup
1: well they have a lot of mobility and uh, you know I think they aren't always the best positionally and so having some support is helpful um, and their mobility is well suited to this formation I think Unfortunately, we've had to chop and change, right? I mean, Gabrielle's yeah. been in there. Kashelny's been in there. Mustafi's been in there. Holding's been in there. Nacho's been in there. And yeah. we see, uh, I think. And playing,
3: playing a line with three center backs I was gonna is, say. is not the same as playing it with two.
1: Yes, exactly. I think we've seen them struggle to hold the line at times. And some of that is learning to do it with three. And some of that is just doing it with different partners every game. It can't be that easy. Um,
3: yeah, the guy in the center has to, he, he only ever had to look who is at the center back. Now he's got to see both sides or they have to, you know, it's, it's well, a they whole, they have to, they have to pivot around animals. what
1: he's doing. Right. I mean, that really yeah. has to be the way that dynamic works. And when he's flying around, going into two footed challenges, how do you know, where to yeah. stand. Um, Clive, one guy that I think has been unfairly criticized this season. He had one rough patch, um, but honestly has stabilized a position that for so many years was a dumpster fire for us. And that's Petr check. Uh, he comes to yep. the rescue in a couple of crisis situations again this game, and I thought he handled set pieces really well, which I think is a strong suit for him. So what do you make of Check lately, and were we maybe just a little too quick to write him off when he went through a bumpy patch there?
2: Yes. Yeah, it probably was, me included. I, I got a bit hey, frustrated with him.
1: Paul, so now that your name is Clive, are you changing your Twitter handle or n- no, just... Just going to stick I'm back me. and I'm beautiful. Okay, awesome, Clive. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I am the
3: poet, philosopher. <laughs>
1: Enough out of you. Don't make me mute your microphone, time. which I do not have the ability to do. Clive, go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, he he stepped up, and, but and I was one that sort of gets a bit frustrated with him, and I, and I want him to be something else, but you know, since we have gone to a back three, he has sort of produced some, you know, good performances, and and he looks good. He looks confident. He looks quite fresh. But I have got to say, you know, there's a bit of me that's sort of a. I, I'm, I'm really pleased with this formation because what it's allowed us to do is, when we're playing rubbish, we don't concede, and it's given our strikers time to score, right? And so the whole team is much more focused defensively. But we're still conceding too many chances. Not not massively against Southampton because they're they're not in great shape, but I still feel we're conceding too many chances. So, but when we do. The goalkeeper's making the saves, right? And even even the defeat at Tottenham, he was he was excellent. So you know, I was one that gets. I want to see a little bit more of a an aggressive goalkeeper, but maybe with the three centre backs, a bit closer to him. He doesn't have to be that aggressive in his starting position. I do think with those, what's missing in that group of agile, quick defenders is a communicator, and that's why we are getting caught at the offside because. We need someone to lead that defence with their voice, tell people where to stand, tell people in the press. And maybe it could be checked to get involved in that when he can and be more of a voice. We got good players back there, but I still feel they're working alone as individuals. But what we're doing is we're covering more spaces of grass and so we can't get we can't get picked off so easily loaded like up palace and, and things like that. So I, I'm happier with the, with the unit, Delta 3 and the goalkeeper. I'm happier that we are getting through rough patches in games without conceding, which means we are getting the first goal more often. And we get the first goal, we generally win. And Peter Cech is part of that. But I'm looking for improvements in the structure. And I'm thinking, Koscielny, absolutely, football-wise, reading-wise, he's the man. He reads it, he's quick, he's aggressive, and he does all the right things, distributes nice and calmly. But i want someone to open their mouth so it'd be interesting when mustafi gets there yeah will he will he be the one to do that he could be the one so he's whether pointy,
3: he's pointy shouty communicating yeah
2: he's a bit of a a flammy in that in that in that yeah. situation right so he is so you know you know what kishelny may end up being one of the the two aggressors and someone like mustafi who's gonna be a voice could be the way in the center but it's great to see that, you know, let's see it settled down. It's only, it's only a small sample size, but I do think communication between that back three and the goalkeeper is one to look at as an improvement.
3: And I think when you add on the fact that Mustafi is the most natural distributor, if if he really does have a good brain to go with the pointy, shouty, communicatey, distributey stuff... Uh, yeah. It might be another season or two till he's that that kind of established. but
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. and also, he's not the biggest, right? So no, the the, the, two, the other two are the ones that are going to take the first ball, and he could be yeah. the one to cover around. We know he's a front-foot defender, likes to go and smash people, but um, he's, he tends to know when to step out. And if you look at David Luiz, he's got that skill as well. He hangs back, but every now and again, he gets very aggressive, and he drives straight through midfield with the ball. He drives straight through to get a tackle. And the other two defenders drop in and, and cover around him. So Mustafi could be the secret one to be the, the central player. You know, the more I think about it, the more he potentially could suit Zunby's attributes.
1: Fair enough. I you know, I think the way we play, it wouldn't hurt to have a more mobile sweeper keeper type guy between the sticks because obviously we see a lot of opportunities where teams can get in behind us and check is not gonna come off his line, not at this age anyway. And but then you look at it and you look at the Premier League and you say at the end of the day, you probably need a guy who's big and strong and commanding and commands his box well on set pieces because that's yeah. a big part of the domestic competition, and Czech does that. I mean, I I feel fairly confident in him on set pieces, and that is a pretty refreshing feeling considering some of the stuff we watch down the years. Um, let's talk midfield, Paul, and... As great as Ramsey was against United, it wasn't really working for him, and I want to bring up something that you mentioned and that the manager alluded to. You said you think Ramsey is a player who can really only shine at his brightest when he's at his fittest, Um, and the manager seemed to echo that with some comments he made about Ramsey just coming back to fitness and being able to use his engine to do the things he needs to do. Is it possible that then playing a second game in three days kind of prevented him from doing that because – On this day, he struggled to get involved and the runs weren't really happening for him. Um,
3: So I didn't have a... uh, I was kind of on the road and I pretty much caught the game. Uh, Caught the second half when I got home after listening to it on Arsenal radio. If you want to be truly terrified uh, of Arsenal playing a game, listen to Arsenal radio. Those cowards... Had me absolutely shitting myself listening to it. So anyway, I watched true story. The second there was, there half. was a
1: Champions League qualifier second leg. I don't remember who it was against. It wasn't the Udinese one. What came after that? Was it Besiktas? Did we play Besiktas in a CL qualifier? Does that sound right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, Turkey. Turkey. And, yeah. Yeah, and there was a second leg, and any goal, away goal, would have put us out. And they they had some <laughs> former pr- Premier League player. Not Drogba. Was it Drogba? So, who did they have? They had some big, strong guy who had tormented us in the Premier League, and he headed the ball just wide at like 90 minutes, and I was listening to this. Demba,
2: Demba Ba. That's who it was. Demba ba.
1: Demba ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he heads just wide. Not Drogba, obviously, but Demba Ba, and he heads just wide, and I'm listening to it on Arsenal Radio, and the call was basically them just screaming, no, oh, God, oh, damn, ba And And for a minute, I thought we were going out of the Champions League. And then they like, that was so close, he could have won it. I was like, you bastards. Anyway, that's just a little uh, anecdote, uh, Paul, to your point of how terrifying you can be. Indeed. So,
3: moving uh, on. Yeah. I, just, I just want you to appreciate that I didn't point out your racism once again.
1: What? What? <laughs> What? In what? I, I got to uh, be honest Corley with you. I Clive, don't even, I don't even know. Black
3: and beautiful at the start. I thought that was terrible.
1: Wait, wait, go back. What was even <laughs> racist about talking about a Dembaba header? At, oh, because you I thought, thought it was, it was. I just knew it was a big, strong guy from the Premier League. The fact that you are imputing a race to that makes you the racist. I was thinking yeah, well, sure. big, strong guy.
3: Anyway, where were we?
1: Yeah, I mean, not on racism again, that's for sure. <laughs> Can you please, please go on?
3: Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so Ramsey. Um, I thought he was um, better than you pitched him up, but I'm not sure about that at all because, like, I don't have a really good handle on the first half. But um, to the point of... His, of whether he, you know, a lot of people might listen to the comment about him not being 100 percent and not being as good as he would be if he was 100 percent and say, well, that's everybody, isn't it? But some people fall off the chart uh, and he goes off of like a cliff. I mean, I just think he's bang average when he's at 80 to 90 percent. It's not till he's 100 percent till he can read because he's not that fast. But if he has his engine, if he has full fitness and he can get all over the place in time, otherwise he's always a yard short. Uh, after a long run somewhere, uh, to to no avail, and then he's to dart back the other way. And you know the the manager's comment was, uh, when he's a hundred percent, he can use his engine and his tactical nous to get to where he needs to be and and make it have an impact. So uh, I thought he was pretty good against Southampton. I I, I didn't think it, it wasn't as good as his Manchester game. I think you probably have a point that uh, a, a second game so quick probably did bite into his reserves a little bit, but it'll make him for the next few games. I mean, he needs those games. He needs those minutes. He is a player who can play back-to-back games midweek and uh, weekends. So uh, for the whatever three we have to go, he should be pretty much full charge, and we survived it. So, Yeah, you know, he, uh, he
1: did. Uh, uh, he got on the end of that one ox move. I think it was ox, right? Not Bellerin? Yeah. Where he had the, the sort yeah. of volley that Went just past yeah. the, the far post, and he had another one in that similar position that he put wide. So, I mean, he, he got on the I, end I of the I Look how things.
3: deep he got for the assist for Giroud, which nailed the game for us. I mean, he was he didn't just about get to that header, he was like he was, he was there
2: already. Yeah, he, he was, was there already. He was
1: well, well, that's because so. it took Giroud about a half hour to get to that position, so everybody else was there waiting for him. Um, well, look, but this
2: is go, go ahead, Clive. No, no, if you're going to stay Ramsey, I've got to say something, Because right? um, that situation on that assist, if you look at Ramsey's game, when he's fit, what he tries to do is two jobs. So he's, you know, we, we pick him as a, one of two midfielders, and he is the second midfielder. And for me, his natural position is being the third midfielder in the three. Where he's got much more license so what he's doing in this with his back three behind him he's saying we well, you know what i'm going i'm going i'm going to push i'm going to break then all the youtube videos come out with him doing great work and all that great work is in the top third right all that great work is in the top third or you see him running back from behind the play to make a late tackle into the box and he's another one that puts for me puts far too much stress on his on his body there's far too much sprints. There's far too much work for him to do. And he's another one that breaks down. I wish he would dominate a smaller area, decide, well, this is my area and send in the midfield. I'm going to not just run straight up and down, but I'm going to run laterally as well and really dominate this area and really make people chase me in the midfield. And then I'm going to join much later. He joins too early, and this is why he stops scoring. Because he's already in the box. He's a standing target and he can be bullied and pushed as he's standing still. When he arrives late, he can score. Right. So he scored two goals this year. One was against Lincoln when he's on the line. And one, which was I think a really good goal was at Preston when he arrived and took an edge of area shot. And that's a skill which he really has got. He has got a great shot on both feet from the edge of the area. He should be focusing on that type of goal. Rather than going past our centre forward and the penalty spot into areas where his body shape does not suit him to be. He is not a great finisher in the box. He scored his last league goal was against Tottenham, which was last March, fourteen months ago. And I think it comes to Point Evans, he's running well. He's yeah, running but that well, was a hell of a finish. <laughs> oh, it's was fantastic, wasn't it? Fantastic. We all remember him, right? So and he's the sort of guy come to score in the cup final, you know? So he, ha- he has that ability. He is brave. He does not care what people think about him. He's got an ego and he gets into areas and he does things. He does things. He takes risks. He's a risky player when he receives. The first second that game last night, the very first second, the ball got played to him on the halfway line. He tried a no look, wave turn, span away, lost the ball. They went down the left hand side and they crossed it. And we have Mustafa to make a clearance. His whole nature, his default, is to take risks. And personally, with my coach's head on being overly pragmatic, which I just can't help, I want those risks to be taken higher up the pitch, not in the centre of the pitch, when we could be exposed. So it's not hurting us against Middlesbrough and and Southampton and the teams that are playing at the moment. Southampton was a great result. But I'm looking ahead to the, the teams that we have to beat. And there's two teams in London, Chelsea and Tottenham, that would love to see those risks take in the middle third. They can spring on us and, and score. So that's my judgment. That's my benchmark. But you can't deny he's moving better. He's moving better. He's looking better. But he's another one. Actually, I would think about resting him at Stoke so he doesn't break down because he's another one that does not do multiple games on the trot. He looks like he does, then bang, the hamstring goes, and we lose him for three, four weeks. So I'd actually take him out the weekend and yeah. do something else to make sure that he he can be there for the, for the games that really matter, like the cup final.
1: I mean, I guess, I guess it depends, right? Like if, if Liverpool played West Ham before we played Stoke and beat West Ham, I'd say they're probably going to be Burrow at home, so there's not much to play for. I don't think we have the luxury yeah, yeah. of resting anybody because we have to You're keep that pressure right. on mm-hmm. them. Um, and, right. and you know if you asked Arsene Wenger right Stoke now. will
3: be our toughest game, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, and if you asked Arsene Wenger right now, which would you rather have top four of the FA Cup? He'd take top four. You know that. He wouldn't say it openly. Absolutely. But, um, to, and in, to, to Ramsey's uh, defense, to some extent, not that, that we're being critical of him, he did make some great runs on the counterattack where Alexis held the ball just a beat too long and it had it taken off of him where it looked like he was getting ready to to give the ball to Ramsey on the run. And those two seem to struggle to get on the same wavelength. Um, you know, Alexis is pretty demonstrable with his frustration with Ramsey and, and vice versa, which I think drives some people nuts. But at the end of the day, two very talented players. And you'd like to think that over time playing together, which they may not have, um, that they would get on the same wavelength. And, and one person that, that is on what the wavelength we want them on, whatever wavelength that is, is Granit Xhaka. This is a second consecutive fantastic performance from him. Paul, How much of the improvement in Shaq's performances do you attribute to the formation? And how much do you attribute to him finally finding a partner where they've got the division of labor downright? Ramsey, a little more license to run. Shaq, a little more license to sit and survey what's ahead of him and, and distribute.
3: Yeah, yes. Yes and yes. Yes to both of those. I mean, obviously, the formation serves him because we don't have another midfielder who can cover him. Um, you know, we debate how mobile he is. Nobody thinks he's super mobile. Uh, the question is, is he, is he okay or is he a liability? He seems to be moving better in this system, but maybe that's just this system. Uh, and maybe it's just, again, the more they know who's doing what, the more mobile he starts to look. Um, so, I, I mean, he's getting around the place. He's getting back. He's getting forward. Um, Ramsey it suits him for getting forward we talked about that I like the fact that he gets in behind Uh, I'm a I diverge a little bit from Clive there I think it's we have so few players who get in behind them and just like every now and then you need to mix in some crosses in my view um you need some people to get behind them to make cutbacks etc so if it's not going to be somebody else and it you know very often we don't even have well back up there um you need your Ramses pushing forward. So you got, uh, conversely, you need that coverage for Chaka so that they can make their adjustments uh, to the game. Um, R- Ramsey is probably always going to be a player who's struggling to get that 100% mark for the reasons we've talked about. So just in pra- practical terms, this formation suits it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from... You know, just looking at selfishly from Chaka's point of view, uh, I think it gives him a lot of uh, passers around him beyond his midfield partner. Uh, And if we don't have the ideal partner, though it seems to be working well with Ramsey at the moment, it gives him other options to to get the ball out. And it also, as we talked about on the last part, it encourages um, Alexis and Ozil sometimes to a fault to drop back in and. Play ping pong and and alternate who's going to uh, play the the key pass up or the diagonal etc. Um, so it, it's a, to me it's a really good mix specifically from Chaka's point of view. Um, and again, small sample size and against the strongest opponent, we looked neutered. That was against Spurs. Um, but I, in a in a way, I'd make the case that Spurs is probably the best reading, but also a bit of a false reasoning. Not most, not every game is like a, a derby at White Hart Lane. And, you know, for the second or third time you use the system. So uh,
2: I'd, I'd d- agree. I'd agree with that Paul I definitely yeah. think Spurs was harsh because they scored two quick goals. We never saw it at one nil long enough to really know what we'd have done. I yeah. think it hurt after two quick goals.
3: Yeah. So not that we were hard done by or robbed, but I think to say, Oh, well, that's the measure of us, uh, in a top game. And again, talking about tiny sample size, um, we don't really know, do we? I mean, it, it, it's such a divergence between the Tottenham game, uh, the City game, which had its own kind of funkiness against a good team that was, that played a really open game against us. So what, you know, what does, were our city really, uh, the, the toughest opponent to play that system against at the moment so it probably won't be until Chelsea in the FA Cup final um, and again talking about small sample size, did you really get in the measure of a, us going up against a strong team um, while we've had the chance to at least we still won't be masters of that formation by then but we'll at least have had you know six, seven, eight games under our belt playing the system Uh, even though the players rotate so yeah Chaka looks really good yeah Um, this really suits him Um, and he's got the it gives him so many players around him as options that he can ping pong it off
1: yeah yeah I mean just tremendous to see him starting to grow into this role uh, getting regular time in, in a formation that seems to suit him and with a partner that seems to suit him and you know obviously there's there's still work to be done in his game but you know, at least now you can you can see the quality and the caliber of the player that we bought. Um,
3: and so, such, ex, I mean, in every game now, he has a number of just exquisite passes where you say, "Oh, that's a chaka pass," you know, that, that, where nobody else in the game is really you know what Paul, he, even basics. It's he, he, it's even, amazing that that the commentators have yet to catch on to him.
1: No, I mean, even even when he just swings the ball. To the flank, yeah. you know that that sort of the way he puts that curl on his his passes out to the flank to, to the left wing back or whichever yeah. one forward is taking up the wide position, and the other one with the there. outside
3: of his foot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is a gem. He bends it both ways. It's
1: fun. Yeah, it's fun seeing the technique he uses with his passing, and you know we haven't seen a lot of that since Santi went down, and it's you know it's good it's good to have yeah. him doing that. Um, and he's
3: totally under the radar. I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately you know i mean there's there's a lot of times that we overrate our players but i think this is a case where he's been underrated because of his reputation for red cards which you
3: know i'm costing uh,
1: 34 why do they keep going on about 34k every
3: fucking
1: well not 34k if it was 34k it's still essentially but yeah
3: 30, 34 34m um, by I the mean, way every I fucking I, player is 34 million
1: yeah i mean
2: by the way i can i got mention it because uh tim's wrote a, a good blog tonight on um, on shaka so um
1: Oh,
3: that's you something. You have
2: a look at that, mate. It's really, really, really good. So if I didn't mention that, Tim would kill us.
1: We probably, probably covered all <laughs> the points you mentioned anyway. Um, Clive, <laughs> so week. not not the best game for, for Danny. Struggled to get involved. He did have one sensational flick for Ozil, and Ozil was a little ponderous on the ball, didn't get it out from his feet, and there was a tremendous saving tackle late um, included in that. But other than that, he struggled a little bit. And so I think when it comes to the fact that Alexis scores a magician's goal – From a central position, linking up with Ozil, it's everything we haven't seen since he's moved out of that that center forward position, right? I mean, it's Ozil playing to Alexis, which is what we want to see. Him getting on the end of moves and then using his extravagant brilliance in the box to create space and finish. Um, As tremendous as the goal was, did it just rekindle for you that sincere desire to see him given another chance at center forward?
2: He, when he's there, you, he just look. He looks so natural, doesn't it? It looks so natural. The way he, he takes the ball on, he's got two players in front of him, and everything in your body says, "Shoot, shoot first time." He decides to just calm himself down, dummy two defenders onto his weaker side. People don't, don't He doesn't normally do. He goes. You know, loves to go shape left, but then go to the right. But he shaped right, went to left, and slide in. And he, and it just looks like the first goals in games are massive, as we all know. And it just looks very, very natural. But what Wellbet does do is he, he stretches teams and he, and he keeps teams honest. I and mean, that's a massive plus for the team. It's, it's quite interesting now that teams are not pushing up on us. So that gives so much more space for Shaka to play in because they're looking at Shaka and saying, OK, you've got two half forwards, two number 10s. Just showing options. You've got two wing-backs flying left and right. And you've got a centre-forward just taking me back towards my own goal. I, I won't press you because I don't know what they're going to do next. All right? So, And is now looking good. He's always had that pass. Always had it. But what's happening now is he's getting more time on the ball. And although Welbeck, if you look at what we, in our own minds, imagine a centre-forward to do, which is look like Alexis Sanchez did in the box. From a running perspective and a stretching perspective and keeping teams honest, not letting them press up on us, he's, he's really important and that creates the space for our... Really, we've got two number 10s and an eight and a half running in behind, moving mobile. And Danny Welbeck's not getting the, the plaudits, but without him running, those players would get pressed back very, very quickly. So, um, yeah, not spectacular, but it's a sign he's getting fitter because he does not too... Two quick games in a row. That's the first time i done it for a long time. So, um, although it wasn't spectacular, it's a it's a step forward for him.
1: Uh, Paul, thoughts?
3: Um, was it this game or the last game where he did that spin in midfield where they he got fouled by the defender? I think it was the last game, wasn't it?
1: Meets me. I don't watch the games.
3: Um, and I just um, <laughs> it, it was just it was just another one of those electric Welbeck moments where he was about to just run away from everybody um and his i mean he's just he's glorious uh when he hits his when he hits that gallop and he doesn't even look like he's full sprint he just he's got the an grand... explosion
1: with his first step that i think surprises players yeah uh, but he has
3: his kind of his mid-gear uh allows him because he's so controlled and kind of so low key in terms of what it takes for him to sprint his control with the ball. I mean, once he gets the ball, he's still pulling away from people. Um I, I agree with Clive. I think he pushes, uh, he creates space for us around the pitch. He's a constant threat. Uh, Wenger, Although it wasn't initially his idea to buy the guy, I, I I say somewhat facetiously, he's really taken to him, and you can see that before uh, Welbeck came back, and at this point, and he feels bad for Giroud and he big big ups Giro and and Giro's go- goal, but he knows what Welbeck gives him in in the team, even when Welbeck isn't playing particularly well. I'm not saying he's playing badly, but I I agree, he didn't have a. Didn't have a particularly eye-catching game, but the the Welbeck thing works for us. Yeah, which is I, it, the acid test.
1: Yeah, look, I like Welbeck, and if we're going to play a center forward that's not named Alexis Sanchez, I want it to be Danny Welbeck. I just think, look, Sanchez is on twenty-five goals and fifteen assists in all comps this season. Okay, he's our first twenty-goal scorer in the league since Van Persie. The guy is exceptional. Um, and the criticism of him, for whatever reason that it even exists is nitpicking compared to what he can do and what he does. And the things that he does that hurt us are somewhat mitigated or or diminished when he plays center forward. So like, it just seems like we're trying to find all these other ways to get other guys into those positions. And at the end of the day, Alexis is the guy who should be there, especially for a team that (laughs) overall... It isn't the kind that wants to play to get in a wide positions, put crosses in, and head the ball home. And I realize we did that the weekend, and to some extent we did that in this game. But you get my point. It just so happens yep. not to jive with what actually happens in reality.
3: Um, but, but it it seems to work. I mean, to you, to your point, he's played up front a bit. He's played left a lot, and he's our. You know, he's twenty-five goals in in the season and assists all over the place. So,
1: oh, I get it. I, and, and but you know, when you look at that, and, hot and basically
3: head. two goals in, in this game from him.
1: Yeah.
2: I what, mean, I, what I'd like to see is a little bit more rotation, like you know, maybe well. You mean with, starts within the game. the
1: game or between games?
2: Within the game. Sorry, okay. yeah, yeah, within the game. I see that. I, there's no, there's no reason why for fifteen minutes they can't just switch. Well, he scored right? and, um, from a
1: central position in this game.
2: He did, he did, and if you look at look at some of the stats, they they, they did put a lot of back on the left, and um, and so there's no reason why we can't switch. Once a game is stretched, then switch for a bit. You know, work them a different way. I, I think we got you know, those three players up front are quite flexible. They've got you know they've got the movement. They've they, any of them complaining in any position let's let's move them around a bit more. Let's not stick to one thing or another because um, I think it causes problems. Just keep causing them problems by constant switching within the game. I think that would be the best way to get the best out of um, both of them.
1: Yeah, well, and the other thing is messi right? I mean, you want to get the best out of messi And this is a guy who looks for Sanchez. He just constantly looks for Sanchez. When Sanchez was center forward, he looked for him. Ozil's passing combinations in this game. 14 to Shaka, 13 to Sanchez. I mean... He's always looking for Sanchez, and the next closest, by the way, five to Ramsey. So, you know, he makes that that effort to find him, and and your two most talented players connecting is your best path to scoring goals in football. And so, to me, when he's at center forward and Ozil's behind, and Ozil can try to play him in, and then sometimes he drops deeper, and Ozil makes the run, but. I think we've seen too much Alexis as facilitator on the wing and not enough Ozil looking for Alexis in those hurtful areas. And I, I just think that has to be tactic one. Everything else has to be 1A, 1B, or two because Ozil to Alexis is your best route to a goal. And, and that's, you know, I think that's where we should be setting up our team. Real quick, but before we come to some, some end of game discussion here, uh, Clive, so Olivier Giroud comes on and gets a goal. And kudos to him. And obviously, he's not my yep. cup of tea. He's been phenomenal when he's come on his sub and he gets the goal. If you look at the move where he gets the goal, we have a great counterattack opportunity, and he can't get into the space he needs to because he's too slow and the opportunity dies. And then we, through tenacity, win the ball back and get the ball across to Ramsey, and Ramsey heads it over to Giroud, who heads down. Lovely. No argument there. And and the player clearly is good in those positions. He's clearly not good on the counterattack. Like he, he's just not fast enough to run into those spaces. And to me, you're 1-0 up. And you're starting to see Southampton come on you and you're starting to see these counter-opportunities develop. And we've been kind of pouring the counter-attack through execution, but clearly there was space to run into. And Giroud felt like the wrong choice to me. Now, I get that it worked out, that he got the goal. But my question is a little different. Do you feel that Arsene Wenger's substitutes, by and large, are pre-planned? That he has the guys he likes, that he rates, and those guys get on first, regardless of the situation. I mean, can you make an argument that one nil up against a team away against a team that's going to have to start attacking you Giroud is the right sub or is it simply that Giroud's going to be my first attacker off the bench
2: yeah I think it's he plans it right so if you when you go and watch Arsenal you you can see it on TV right so the three subs were coming on they're the first ones up to warm up you can tell they're the ones that have been designated okay we had an injury in this game but Bellarmine would have probably come on in this game as well so um so he definitely pre-plans it, regardless of the game. Um, and I, I think you know, in your your mind, tells you bring on speed in case the team's attacking you. Bring on maybe a Theo Walcott or maybe bring on a Wobi or something like that. But I just think he he's going to go with Giroud. He's a senior forward. He's next off the rank, and no matter what the game's doing, he's coming on late simple as that and um and he's obviously statistics when he does come on late are are really really good and i think the game slows down for him a little bit more and um and he and late in games what you find when as a midfielder and defender when you start to tire sometimes adding a, a a big man to hit it simplifies the game it takes complexity out Your technique goes when you tire last 20 so have that structural that structure player coming on. Concentration too, find. right? The ability yeah, to, to you know
1: stay switched on to the guy who's in the box.
2: So you're tired, last twenty minutes, games are decided. Put Juru on, I can find him. He can hold it and we can build from that area of the pitch. So I do get it. Liverpool do it sometimes with with Origi. they bring him on late. They don't start with him. They bring him on late because they can hit him late in games. When they, when they can't press anymore, when they get the ball, they can hit him. He runs the sides. He's a different animal. He's a bit more like Welbeck. But it's a similar thought process. I really like relating Late in games. Um, I wish, you know, I wish Theo Walcott – maybe the question is around Theo Walcott. Like, what's happening there? Because I mean, he's just he, not basically being Basically, since
1: he made the comments that they wanted it more against – Yeah. Was it Chelsea?
2: Who, who was that? Uh, was No, no, no it was him? the
1: Palace game. It was the Palace game.
2: Palace, yeah, 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 you're right. Sorry. They
1: wanted it more. He basically hasn't played since then. Um, it, it, you know, he had a, like a couple minutes. So, I, you know, I wonder if he's in the penalty box a little bit. Look, let, let's move on from it. I get, my only point, Clive, it, it was not meant to say that Giroud's not a talented player and he has nothing to offer. Yeah. It's that there are situations where I feel there are players we have better suited to the situation. But the the substitutes are going to be who they are, you know, and and that's just how it is. It's, you know, it's the whole, oh, we'll bring Coughlin on to defend a lead kind of thing. Well, sometimes to defend a lead, you actually want more control, not someone that's going to cause you to have to sit back more and have less control. Right. So I just it's frustrating to me sometimes that those substitutes don't always seem suited to the game state. Against the particular opponent, but more based on here's my first sub, here's my second, here's my third.
2: Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you. And um, there's many times when Cockland has come on. I think, okay, we need the ball. Why don't you bring an El Nene on? He brings on Cochrane. We lose no control. We lose no. We don't gain much. I don't think Cockland's a great substitute. Someone needs to start. And I, I think you have to make a great point. I think he's very much pre-planned. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't.
1: Yeah. Uh Paul, if it's alright, do you I want to move on to something that we have to discuss before we sign off, which is just Arsene Wenger's frankly astounding. Um you well, can't really be astounded by anything he says, but but certainly newsworthy comments regarding a director of football uh prior to the match. He was asked if he would work with the director of football. He said, As long as I am here, I'll be in charge of the the stuff that goes on at the club. Um and then basically said, What does a director of football do? Direct like traffic you, know, you go left you go right like sort of a dismissive condescending comment about the role of the director of football and um while i can certainly understand why he may bristle at the thought of one being put in it's certainly a window into how he sees himself at the club how he sees the consolidation of power at the club and his role there um and maybe lifts the little little on conflict behind the scenes that may be going on and pressure that may be getting put on him how did you take the comments
3: Yeah, so I think there were two potential uh, contributors to his uh, irritation. First, you know, just the bringing up of it is kind of a a little bit of a slap in the face in in terms of the broader conversation that, uh, you know, a director of football is being brought in, yes, to help with the potential transition that he he hasn't even said will will happen, Um, but also to balance out maybe his shortcomings. Um, So you could imagine him bristling from that standpoint, and you could also imagine him bristling because if there's any merit to it, and there very probably is, there's probably a difference of view inside the club. I can't imagine that Ivan Gazidis wants Arsenal to keep running the way it does going forward, entirely dependent on Arsene Wenger. Uh, When he's seen the instability over the last year or so uh, and where the rest of the board has seen, you know, we came from a basically 20 years of stability to a very turbulent year in which it looked very clear what to me, how things would play out at the start of this season. And even in the middle of the season, but this last third of the season, anything could fucking happen on the, on the field within the club in terms of the manager's position going forward. You know, it's it really is all up for grabs. And I'm sure Ivan has a vision for the future uh, and has been laying it out um, and been been baking this for a few years. And he probably didn't really think it was going to kick in for a few more years, but now's the time. Um, and I would think Arson's kind of, uh, he's got a lot going on on the field under a tremendous amount of pressure and yet he's fighting this rear guard action. Not not that I think Ivan's trying to do him in or that Arson thinks he's trying to do him in, but you're negotiating the boundaries of power going forward, and it's kind of an indictment of your recent record, mm-hmm. depending on what you mix into the pot. You could just portray it as, hey, the clubs decide to step up its infrastructure uh, in terms of a transition, but you know these are very emotional things. So, yeah, I think it's where uh, I've poo-pooed it, as they say, two or (laughs) three months ago. Uh, Yeah, I think everything you can read into it right now probably has some significant merit to it.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, Uh, Clive, I want to turn it over to you for the final word on that. But before you do, let me just sort of put this in context in terms of why I think this is an interesting debate. Because the funny thing is I believe we need a director of football. I believe we need to modernize the structure at Arsenal. I think it needs to be a little more stratified. And I think we need to change the manager and that the manager should be more of a first-team coach who obviously has input on what he needs to build out his team, but the director of football sets the club in a direction and runs that side of the business. Having said that, if you're going to keep Arsene Wenger, you don't put in a director of football. It doesn't make any sense. The thing that makes Arsene special, if you believe he's special at all, and look, if you hate Arsene at this point, you can't stand him, and you call him a French see you next tuesday and you know then that's you and that's just how you're gonna see it and that's fine but i I think what makes arson special is he's one of the last few remaining old style managers who has the ability to handle everything to build a squad through the transfer market through player development at the youth level and then coach that team to be competitive now look He's no longer able to do it at the absolute top level, but he's proven he's still able to do it to get into the CL knockout rounds and stay in or around the top four and get to an FA Cup final. So he's not like a complete abysmal failure. If you stay with Arsene Wenger, you stay with him because of his ability to be the jack of all trades. Certainly his weakness is as a first team coach. He is not an exceptional top level tactician. He is no longer at the top of the game. And I'm not suggesting he's at the top of the game as a director of football, But if you say he's kind of a 7 out of 10 DOF and a 6 out of 10 coach, he's both of those things combined, and that's kind of rare to find. So, Clive, I guess my point is, as weird as it sounds, and as much as I think we need all those things, there is no good argument for putting a director of football in above Arson, because doesn't that just basically invalidate the thing that makes him special?
2: it could do or it could be the perfect chess move right so you bring this into a corporate environment you're literally bringing somebody else in for him to report to or work with so you are literally it's almost bordering on constructive dismissal right so you're changing his reporting lines you're you're potentially lowering his importance and that's why he's bristling so when he says that he loves the club and which i'm sure he does If you're the Ivan Kazidis, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create layers within the club. You can't be running a club as as big as Arsenal, the sixth or seventh richest club in, in the world, and have a single point of failure in your club. You just can't do it. You can't sustain that year on year. You have to create layers. You have to create a structure by which... If one, one piece moves out, the whole thing doesn't fall down. Because right now, if Wenger decided, I don't feel very well, my health is failing, and just decides to go, we are not ready for it. We are not prepared. We are not prepared for that move. And, and that's not smart custodianship. That's not smart ownership. That is not a smart way to run things. So I, I, I'm of the opinion that whether it's director of football or whatever you call it, we need more people at that level. More quality people. We need two or three more you know, p- people. Criticise Arsene Wenger, but you can't criticise his quality. My issue has always been which we had three of them, three people of that quality in the club, so we can uh, we, we can divide the roles like we see in Shaka and Ramsey right now. Divide the roles appropriately and make ourselves much stronger, and that's what we need to do. And Gavines is trying to do it, and Wenger's bristling against it. It seems right. So you know what? I hope Gavines pushes it through. I hope he does it. Because the future of the club will be better the more quality people we have at that top level. Because right now it seems very, very one-man dependent and that's just not healthy in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's not a healthy structure. It's just that to me, if you're giving Arson two more years, I mean, you might as well give him two years to do what he does best, which is run the whole show. Um, because
3: can, can I just add, add quickly? Yeah? I think part of the problem is the plan now is clearly different to... Where everybody in the club saw it at the start of the year, they're to use Tim's analogy, they're trying to fix the airplane in flight. Um, yeah. it, it's in a pressure cooker. They could probably come up with a reasonable plan and handle it in the media much better if this were being handled, you know, last summer or this summer to come up with a a plan to roll on. But the plan, you know, Ivan is moving the goalposts probably for very good reasons. And Arson's got a fucking tiger by the tail and a fucking crocodile biting his ass, and he's like, he doesn't need this shit. And he's got the media asking him. So uh, I don't deny any of of the if you like the rumors side of it. I just think it is a tough opera, tough environment for folks within the the club to become aligned and be on the s- same page. You're going to see some sparks fly, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. I guess my point is this: if you said Arsene Wenger is staying, but he can only have one job at Arsenal, D.O.F. or first team coach, you'd be crazy to pick first team coach, right? Like, clearly, that's where our upgrade is needed more, right? It's not. I'm not saying he's assembled the greatest squad in the history of humanity, but he's put some good squads together. I mean, the one he's got right now is a good squad. He's just not able I to take, coach it up.
3: I take I take your point, but yeah. if you also if you reframed it slightly and said. Arsene Wenger is going to stick around for two years. He wants to be first team coach. Can we bring in a director of football to work with him over these next two years to slowly take up the reins so that when our, as it slides down in terms of responsibilities, um, this guy comes in and kind of take it forward from there. And in the process, we begin to think, who would the manager you know you can handle it a different way you, you don't have to bring it in as a power struggle you don't have to do it as a complete division of labor day one uh, there's no way arse you, you just uh, i'll I'll maybe rephrase uh, your point in some ways you can't come in and take half of arson's job off from day one you just can't
2: Of course not no But we we you know what you know what Paul we don't know what what he does Right, we think he does everything, but we don't know who does. We think maybe Dick Law does all the contracts.
1: Well, we know, you know he doesn't who, do it great, considering he basically got fired so Josh Kroenke could handle the ocel. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So we 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 we're surmising that, and this is the this is the impression that we get. But I look around at the club, right? You look around different measures, right? So you look around at our competitors. We've got a similar wage bill to Chelsea, right? I don't know how many points we are behind. We've got a wage bill which is ninety million higher than Spurs. Right, and they're like 14 points on ahead of us. And our efficiency of spend is not great. Our squad is very, very heavy. We do not sell well. We buy assets and they reduce when they come to us in the main. And so that side of the job is not going well. Uh, we're J- quite consistent. Jesus, this is
3: descending quick.
2: Well, uh, we, need to, we need to wake up and have a look from the, at the outside. And we had this impression that he'd be a great director of football. I, I want to know why. Uh, what, he, he wouldn't be because he, he, he doesn't. I'm
3: inclined to agree with you, Clive. And I also really agree with your point that we don't really know what he does. But uh, I know this much the thing he most wants to do is the coaching part of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He likes to smell the green grass when he's mentioned yeah. that. And I've, re- I've read those comments. And, and and fair play to him. And you know what? I like Halle Berry, but I'm not going to get him. Right? Do you see what I mean? So he needs to recognize to, at some point that this is. This is—he should be looking for a more senior role. You're absolutely right, Elliot. He should be looking for that job, but he wants to hold on to the the coaching side. And I'm looking and thinking, hold on a minute here—we're not—we're not spending our money wisely. We're paying people far too much that are not worthy of of their pay packet. And we're not matching people on performance who've got less revenue than us. So that side of the game is not going well. And on the pitch, we are not improving with the resources that we have. So we've got some work to do to be far more efficient in how we spend and how we perform. And I want to ask myself, do we think this is the guy to do it? Does he need help? He absolutely does need help. He needs more quality people around him. If he doesn't accept it, well, the checkmate moves coming up and gazillion is trying to play it. Will he be allowed to play it by Kroenke? Not too sure, but I applaud him for trying to do something with the structure of the club to make sure we, we are not so dependent on one man.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, a lot of this may, it could go a long way to being decided this weekend. If West Ham beat, uh, if Liverpool beat West Ham, uh, unlikely they'll lose at home to burrow on the final day if we lose to stoke again top four gone and top four being gone may be a, a impetus for change uh having said that there's still the fa cup final and winning that may be enough to keep things as they are we'll find out um it'll be a very important weekend because somehow there's still life left in the patient as bill our top four correspondent told us at the start of the pod in any <laughs> event um paul is on twitter in my pants thanks Pause. pleasure Clive's on Twitter, Clive P-A-F-C. Thanks, Clive. Thank you. My name's Elliot Smith. you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Please do so. Leave us a five-star review and write nasty things in the comment section. You can lay off Clive. He's had enough. Write him about Tim. He's not here, so we can beat him up. In any event, be sure to read Tim's blog because Clive thinks it's so good. And we'll be back after we go to visit the Orcs. Up the arsenal, everyone.